0: Everybody, and welcome back to House Talk pregame. Game I'm Dr. Lauren Pitts Bounds my, my personal Santa Claus is back He back He he got new additions and stuff Welcome back Ronnie Ransom
1: Thank you, thank you I'm not going to lie uh, <laughs> with all your
0: ignorance. I told mommy he was coming back today with all your ignorance so go ahead, get it
1: off no, your chest. Go ahead. I'm not, I'm not gonna lie. This, this morning I feel like how the Cowboys felt when they were down 27-0 in that playoff game a few weeks ago. So yeah, just adjusting, good. just adjusting to, you know, having uh two babies in the house. It's been it's been a morning so far. But unlike the Cowboys, we're gonna bounce back in the second half and and, and do things the right way. Uh so it feels good to be back in everything. Um, yeah, yeah. No, my wife had uh our daughter last Friday night. Um Ms. on Ms. my Riley mommy's entered, birthday. Miss Riley entered the world last Friday night, 11:37. Yes. Um, you know, shout out to my wife and everything. Absolute absolute beast when it comes to pushing out these babies. I don't watch to push out <laughs> two kids. No meds. Like I mean just absolute beast. Like I always say the things that women's bodies can do, um y'all are otherworldly. Um, I, I don't, I don't think women and men come close to sharing the same type of DNA or or, or body structure at all. Um, the things y'all can do are just absolutely amazing. So shout out to her for for giving me two healthy babies and everything. Uh, it, it's crazy. They yeah. could be twins. I mean, same height, same weight, same face. Like it's yeah. wild. The only thing that's different is the private parts. But they look like absolute <laughs> twins. Um, so yeah, congratulations, no, man. Um, Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you But it feels good to be back and everything uh, we, we got a really great uh, uh, topic today We're talking about what it means to be the GOAT Or, you know, greatest of all time and all that uh, we, we hear that uh, acronym thrown around a lot now Especially in the last 10 years um, We talk about different sports Whether it's in football Whether you got Jay Rice, Tom Brady, Lawrence Taylor and basketball, you got LeBron, MJ, Kobe, Baseball, you got Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, uh, all those great baseball players and all that good stuff. So but what does it really mean to be considered uh, the greatest of all time? You know, I, and I think there's a difference between being really, really good and being great. Um, and so we'll talk about that difference and everything. We got a, a great guest with us here today. We got Coach Greg Thomas with us joining us this morning. Um, and we got Mr. Bounds. We got Mr. E rocking with us this morning as well, too. Um, yes, sir. Yes, sir. So yeah, no, we got a uh, we got a great show lineup for us and everything, Doctor Pitts. Um, I to be honest with you, the last week has been a whirlwind, so uh, I haven't been keeping up with too much what's been going on in the um, the HBCU world or the sports world for that matter. Um, any of y'all got any updates that y'all would like to share or talk about before we jump into the the mental health tip of the week and everything?
2: Um, I, I, go
1: ahead. I- he froze. Uh-oh. Rose up. Had his moment. <laughs> Coach, did
0: you have something you
3: wanted to add? Well, I'm glad to be here. Thank you for the opportunity to come up, come back and share. And, and I'm going to be honest with you, that that GOAT reference, it's personal. You know, if, if you like a player, then you know that's who you're going to choose. If you like mm-hmm. an era of play, that's what you would choose. Yeah. Um, and sometimes we, we like to compare them and they're not mm, comparable. You know, right. The, the, the game evolves, the, the thought process evolves, uh, conditioning, <laughs> the way to eat, all those things will, will have a, a major effect. But when you look at numbers, and that's why I tell our kids all the time numbers lie sometimes. We can mm-hmm. use it as, mm-hmm. a, as a steering, uh, part. but numbers can lie. Because you can't tell me that, let's say this. Could Michael Jordan play in today's basketball? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay? With the style of play. With the the style of play that, let's say, Anthony Davis played today, would he have been a star playing when Jordan played? Mm-hmm. We don't know because, really? you know, but we our, our eyes are telling us no, right? Mm-hmm. He may have been a good player, but he may not have been an all-star. Dennis Rommel could play in any level at any time. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't score, so would they put him on the floor in today's basketball? Wow. So, you know, it, it's a different different thing. So, I love the GOAT talk. My son and I argue about this every other week. Uh, <laughs> you know, he's coaching college basketball and he hates on anything prior to the 1980s in basketball. He said those guys couldn't play. So, it, it's, it's a great conversation to That's have. Funny. That's funny. That's funny. I
1: ain't gonna lie. I just saw some film uh, on Will uh a few days ago they had they had uh put some film in turn and made a color color film and everything i ain't gonna lie um uh, one i don't believe Wilt will scored 100. i'm just with that i'm just gonna put that out there right now we got ba- we got we got film on babe roof swinging a baseball bat but we ain't got film on will scoring 100. i'm just put that out there all right we got film on a lot of things but we ain't got no film on that that's number one but we'll definitely get into that in a few because I th- I think you make some great points about eras, comparing eras versus certain players who could you know fit in different eras and everything. Because we have that debate about football all the time too, you know, especially what people consider the golden age of football being like you know the seventies through the maybe early nineties, mid nineties, and stuff like that, before all these rule changes and, and things like that started to take shape. So, absolutely, Eric. I know you got uh, film phone on and-
0: Lucas sh- scoring seventy three, though.
1: Hey, shoot! I, that night, it was Luca, scored, it was, Luca scored. Luca scored seventy three. I think yeah. Devin Booker scored sixty two that night. It was somebody else. I think scored sixty or sixty one. It was like three, three or four but players. They were falling out. Sixty mm-hmm. in that one night. Absolutely, you know, Lucas Luca's a beast, though. Hey, Luca's is a beast. When I tell you, but um, no, Eric, I know you. Uh, I know before your fro- phone phone froze, I know you had something that you wanted to uh, mention real quick.
2: Yeah, I was like, wait a minute, can y'all hear me? Because I started talking, and then I heard Coach talking. I'm like, wow, they already blacking me out. It's a (laughs) blackout? So, no, we were talking about um, The Greatest of All Time. Am I freezing again? You good. Okay. We are talking about The Greatest of All Time, and Apollo Creed just passed. Um, And if you know his character, he, he emulated his character after Muhammad Ali, who was The Greatest of All Time. Um, If you really remember the first were Rocky. So uh, just rest in peace. We we lost a good one. Yeah. When I heard about it, it was like I lost a loved one because I felt like I was connected to him. Um, you know, not only through the character that he played and character. He's played over the years, but I literally just saw him in a commercial. I literally saw him in a commercial like a week ago. Uh, no, he's now he's not here. So I just wanted to add that this morning. Yeah.
1: Yeah, now, definitely condolences yeah. to him and his family and everything. Um, I didn't know he was an NFL linebacker before he became a movie star. Horrible. And I know that, did not know that at all. So, you know, you learn something new every day. Uh, but definitely shout out and condolences to um, the Weathers family and everything as they navigate this difficult time. Um, Dr. Pitts, do you have a uh, mental health tip of the week this week that you'd like to share? I.
0: Indirectly, Um I'm sure I'll get more into it as as we continue the discussion. But to just sort of connect it to um the fact that it's you know our month of
1: the year, it's Black History Month, and we were having y'all, a little y'all power. y'all's month. This is half of my you month. You celebrate in the I, second I, half of the month.
0: No, I'm gonna I'm gonna celebrate the first, the first half of 14, my month. You celebrate your, your Caucasian lineage.
1: My birthday, in the, my birthday in the first half of February, so I'm going to just put it all together. And then when the 15th gets here, you know. That's what can I get told every year. I can, I, to choose, <laughs> I, can, I can only choose half the month. So it's either the first through the 14th Ronnie. or the 15th through the 28th. I only Ronnie. get half is what I'm told. Brody, you're going to be black on your birthday.
0: <laughs>
1: yes. Your birthday is yes, the 13th. His birthday the thirteenth, so yes, I will. I will be black on my birthday. Um, okay, you know, so, well, but yeah, no. Nah, <laughs> shout out to Black History Month and everything. Um, yeah.
0: So, so what I wanted to say, um, and and I'm hoping that we'll be able to incorporate this on a deeper level into the conversation because, you know, when you think about the greatest of all time, um, I think that we would be doing ourselves a disservice. If we don't take a look at the importance of mental health as it relates to being able to emerge as the greatest of all time, the pressure, the um, the, just everything, everything that goes into being the greatest at anything comes with it. An exorbitant amount of seen and unseen pressure. And what does that look like? as it relates to our mental health. And I think that as we're sort of teasing out this, this conversation today, it's really important for folks to understand that in order to be the greatest, because we got a lot of kids that listen to this show, excuse me, young people, coach, coach, grandma, grandma to turn over. Young people have hopes, goals, dreams, and aspirations. They want to be the next fill in the blank. They want to be the next Tom Brady. They want to be, the next Patrick Mahomes. They want to be the next, you know, whoever, Michael Jordan or, or or whoever. And with that comes the importance of taking care of one's mental health. And that doesn't start when you get to college. It doesn't start you get to high school. It doesn't start when you get to middle school. We need to be having substantive conversations about the importance of mental health and overall mental well-being with our children. You know, little little Hakeem and him, Doctor Pitts. I just, I don't know what to do with him. And, and he literally, like, I just had somebody say, you know, he's 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 punching walls and breaking up stuff and 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 talking about doing A B C D E F and G. And should I be concerned? uh yeah absolutely absolutely little hakeem and of course that's a pseudonym little hakeem is seven eight nine ten years old and already snapping already being destructive already a, a, a volcano waiting to erupt we can't wait until high school and college to start having conversations about the importance of mental health Psychoeducation is what we as clinicians refer to it as we need to start educating our parents and our athletes now, as early as popcorn. We need to start having these conversations now about the importance of discussing your feelings. It's okay to have feelings, anger isn't the only feeling that you should be able to express. It's okay to cry. You know, you know how many tears are gonna be shed at that Super Bowl next week, both positive and negative? Yeah, come on now. But don't nobody want little boys to cry. It's okay for little girls to cry, but don't nobody want little boys to cry. We gotta change the narrative around mental health in the sports arena and we need to start doing it as early as, as pop order. That's all I wanted to add for now.
1: Thank you for sharing that, Dr. Peterson. And I, I think you're absolutely right. When we talk about, you know, um, it sounds cool to be considered to be in the conversation of greatest of all time and stuff like that. A lot of times we don't sit back and think about the athlete's perspective, the one who not necessarily is chasing that uh, adulation or that credential, but more so the fact that they can be in that moment and be present and aware enough to know how great of a responsibility they have to perform at the highest level day in and day out. When we result, cause a lot of times, I think nowadays, the idea of the the GOAT conversation gets thrown around way too easy, right? Yes. We, you know, a lot of times, the moment somebody can score 50 points or the moment somebody can throw five touchdowns or something of that nature, we automatically start saying, oh, you know, they're about to be the greatest of all time. And it's like, damn, can, can they have a career first? Can they play five years, 10 years, whatever the case may be? But we oftentimes don't give enough credit to the actual athlete. Who does the mental preparation every single day for those who have never played a sport or, you know, maybe not have played at the collegiate or even the professional level, you know, high school competition can actually absolutely be fierce. It can be competitive. It can be, you know, top notch like Dr. Pitts and uh, Eric living in Texas, Texas high school football and Texas high school sports are upper echelon. Like that's, that's as high as high school competition as you can probably get in the country. But when you get to the collegiate level and the professional level, even at the collegiate level, you're playing against people who were, All state, all conference, all district. It's not like you got scrubs that are coming to the collegiate level. And hell, when you get to the professional level, it is literally the best of the best. The worst NFL and NBA player is better than any person that you could possibly find at a a basketball court, a football field at a park, you name it. The worst player in those leagues. And then you have individuals who rise above them. Who just they just have it? They they can have the mental ability, the talent, the physical prowess, the work ethic. It takes a lot to have that combination, but to hold that all together mentally is just as important, if not more important. And so, shout out to those athletes who make sure they take care of their mental health and their mental performance just as much as they do their physical performance. Right? I always tell people. Any sport you play, regardless, any physical activity you do, regardless, 90% of it is mental. Your body will go as far as your mind goes. And so if you put limits on your mind, if you put limits on your mental aspect, there will be physical limits. Right. But if you can push through those limits, if you can push through the pain, if you can push through the walls, the barriers and things like that, you can start to start to believe in yourself and start to do things that even you'll be surprised of. So thank you for sharing that, Dr. Pitts. Um, So. Speak, we've been talking about the goat a lot this morning So let's go ahead and get into this conversation um, Coach, I'm, a, I'm not going to lie to you My phone is dead I thought my phone was charged, but it's not Welcome to Parenthood again you know. So, um, <laughs> Coach, for the individuals who do not know who you are Your background and stuff like that Please give the uh, people a little bit about who you are And how you came to be who you are today
3: Well, thank you for the opportunity And, and I can't wait to get into this uh, the conversation Um, My name is Greg Thomas. I am a 1988 graduate from the University of Arkansas. I am from San Angelo, Texas, born and raised. Uh, For the last 30 years, I've been working for 28 years for the Plano Independent School District uh, as a counselor and as a basketball coach. Um, I recently uh, wrote a book, and this is my two year anniversary of No Doubting Thomas. All Quisper, which is my conversation with myself during those four years, uh, and we're trying to figure out a way to not only get it out to the masses again, but to share some of those stories. You know, I I launched it in February prior to thinking about Black History Month also, because in many ways it's historic uh, during that time when I was playing at the University of Arkansas. It was a first. So it's pretty good. Now, now as uh, Dr. Bounds was talking about, our basketball team, on am at Plano East Senior High School. We're currently ranked uh, number one in the state. Uh, we're currently ranked, uh, I think, third in some national polls, and five in a couple other national polls. So we're playing well. Uh, and uh, I'm going to invite you. We play at home on Tuesday night at Plano East Senior High School at 7 o'clock. You're close, come, come out there. We have a a introduction show that will knock your socks off. You'll really <laughs> appreciate it. Uh, but the mental health aspect and how you were talking about this, Ronnie, it, it's weird that we don't discuss it. And I, I talk about it all the time with our guys. We talk about being in the moment, doing your best this night. Can we come out and put our best effort tonight? Because we're on the verge of doing something special. We don't hide yeah. that from the young men. We're trying to do something that's never been done in the state of Texas. Uh, go undefeated and win the state championship. But you have to prepare for it. Right. And it's not just the physical preparation. We've done all the running and the lifting weights and the practicing and, and the competition, the in-house competition, etc. It's the outside mental pressure. The friends, right. the families, the the, the working, the the schooling and, and things of that nature and that's where we fall off and mm-hmm. where the person or the individual that not belonging to a team sport or they don't have to participate at a high level at a team sport on their job they don't understand that they think you should be able to just go out and just play you forget right. that that player that team over there they got pretty good players too there, there's mm-hmm. a game plan they have in, in, in store for you. You have to navigate and play through those things also. And as a youth, I was like Hakeem. I, I would get mad. If we lost, I would have a fit. I didn't lose a lot as a youth. I mm-hmm. think we lost maybe two games a month between the third and the seventh grade. So I wasn't used to losing ball games. And right. when we lost, I would cry. I would lose my mind when we lost the game because it wasn't something uh, we were accustomed to. So we got to teach them how to understand, you know, a game's a game and then there's a game of life. And we have to be able to understand the game. When the game is over with then you got to move on. You can't treat people outside of the game the same way you treat the game. And we don't do that. You know, we, we put these young people, and I was one of those young people, that was put on that pedestal.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: You know, and you have to understand it, it's not the same. Mm-hmm. And, and we don't teach this, you know, not not everyone's life, Not everyone understands the competition. Not everyone understands the sacrifice. Not everyone understands uh, the grind. Right. And the grind to me is just everyday stuff. <laughs> you just got to work through the everyday stuff. Uh, it's right. like going to work. You, you right. go to work. You gotta, you gotta work. Whatever happens at work, happens. You gotta work through that, and you gotta be, you know, put it together and, and do the best you can. And it's the same with the sport. But mm-hmm. we don't teach this to our young athletes anymore. They don't have to sacrifice as much. For most of them, those that put in an extra time, and the extra effort, and that they don't achieve those goals, they lose it. And we gotta mm-hmm. figure out a way to get those emotions worked out and and properly categorized and discussed and know it's still a game. You know, at, at the end of the day, it's a game. It's a great game, all of them. They give you a chance to see the world. I got a chance to travel 40 of the 50 states playing ball. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. had I not played college ball, I never would have traveled like I traveled. I don't travel much. now as much. When I was between the age of, of 18 and 24, I got a chance to see the United States. I mean, I was on the East Coast in one bowl game, the West Coast the next year, to Hawaii the year after that, to Canada the following year. And I stayed in Canada three hours. I ain't never been that cold in my life. So I'm coming back to Texas. <laughs> the heck with that. But, you know, those are the choices that you make. And, and we we have an opportunity. It's not just sports. I mean, it's it's everyday life. You need to teach these these uh, methods. Um and give people an opportunity to compete in the game of life. Thank you, oh,
1: oh. Coach. You uh, um, you said something very interesting there for your you know for your school. Y'all are trying to do something that hasn't been done before. Trying to go undefeated, win a state championship, and everything in basketball. I wanted to ask you, you know, being a former player and now being a coach, um, how do you, to your point about as far as helping you know younger athletes really prepare mentally, not only for the game or whatever sport they're playing, but also for the game of life. How do you how do you help younger players when they come from maybe a program like a little league or middle school program? And I don't know if they do it in Texas or not, but um, you know how like certain high schools will have, you know, multiple middle schools, elementary schools that kind of funnel into them. And so some of those programs, they're not winning programs. They don't have winning tradition. They don't have winning culture. They don't have a culture whatsoever. And then they come to your high school. Right. So as a coach and being a former player. How do you help integrate some of those players who come from maybe not a winning culture or don't know how to believe in themselves or, you know, push themselves to another level and mix them in with players who've been in your system before kind of have a good idea what the systems. Like how do you help integrate those players to help them believe in themselves? So you can start to accomplish things like y'all accomplished in this season.
3: Well, let, let me back up for a second. Sometimes. Well, let's just say for me and the young people that we've, I'm around a special group of kids, first of all. And I call them kids, but I don't mean to call them young folks. Uh, we've had these young folks with us for, for three years. Uh, starting as sophomore, we had two. Uh, John and Isaiah that came with us as freshmen. Then the other guys came the next year sophomore. So they've been around us for a while. There is a structure that Coach Wester had put in place, and then we follow that structure. But we're not easy to – I'm a hard coach. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm talking about the good, hard coach stuff. Uh, they're going to be disciplined. We're going to have situations where we work on everything, mentally as well as physically. We challenge them to, to, to those things. But I'm hard to play for because those are the little things you have to express to them. We try mm-hmm. not to break them down, but we'll get on them. You know, but then you pat them on the back, you discuss the situation. They're always a learning curve. Then you have to learn your players. For some folks, they can't handle that. Right. And many of our young people they can't handle that, mm-hmm. and that's why we talk about the outside forces, the friends. Mm-hmm. You know, they're trying to find that that, that worthiness outside of the basketball or outside of football, and then they find it in other friends and girls and music and drugs. And, you know, and staying up playing, you know, mad down like they'll find some other way to get that out. For us, we try to we pull them back in as much as possible. We try mm-hmm. to keep them level as possible. Uh, We don't sugarcoat it. Like I said, I'm hard to play for You know, and whatever Coach Weston wants me to do, we go over the game plan. He and Coach Evans, you know, and Coach Mike, we go over the game plan. We talk about it. What can we do to get it best? Here's the plan. Now how do we go about it in practice? And then we go out there and we practice that. But once this group of guys leave, we have another group that aren't as accomplished. They aren't as focused. They aren't as... Skill. We have to work with them and we gotta find a way to incorporate all those same things with them it to be a different group of gods. And mm-hmm. so trying not to allow them to give up on themselves when they don't do or achieve is scarce. Because once again, our young folks, they're not as tough as we were. They don't they don't believe in the same grind. And that's because we as parents tried to make everything easier for our young people. You know, we we try to give them everything. We try to make sure they don't cry. They need to cry. They need to see Mm -hmm. that they're not successful. They need to see that that effort wasn't good enough. They need to be able to bounce back from not playing well. And we tell them, man, you played terrible tonight. It's not the end of the world. You got a chance to to come back tomorrow and make it better. And if you don't, then the season's over. (laughs) And that's basically what we try to tell them all the time. Man, this is still a game, but this is the game of life. What are you going? Are you going to not go to work because you got mad, or your you, your boss told you to do something you didn't want to do, or you know your your project failed, or you just not going to go to work? No, man, you get up, and go to sleep, you know, and, and go back to work the next day. So it's it, it, it's a process, but it's it's a it's a good process for those that can handle it. It's a reality process for everyone else because mm-hmm. not everyone understands that. And we have to do a better job and share with our young people that, you know, that that life goes on. So what are you going to do after basketball? You know, what are right. you going to do after mm-hmm. after football? What are you going to do after your girlfriend breaks up? with you? <laughs> mm-hmm. what, what are you going to do when when uh, you can't pay the bill? Because you didn't right. make enough money because you didn't go to work because you didn't feel like going to work because you – those are the things we try to talk to them about every day. And, and you know, outside of basketball. Look, don't be doing this. This is not good. We try to walk around and show you every day how to be a, a young man. Now, you know, there's things we can joke about and some things you can't say to people. You know, we uh-huh. had a discussion. You know, uh-huh. pull your pants up, dude. You don't see any other grown man on campus walking with pants. Uh-huh. You don't, you know, those are the things that that's mimicked at home, but they think society is telling them they don't have to do that. Dude, yes. You know, we're going to all wear the same thing today. Mm-hmm. That individual stuff is not going well. We're going to wear the same shoes in the game. You know, all that individual stuff is necessary because there is no team without the I. But there's definitely no I without the team. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they work together. We always try to put the team, me deal, big team and little me, and then we try to skirt around You don't have a team without the means. The Mm -hmm. means got to believe in the team, and the team's message got to be the same one. One, you know, one one beat, one sound. Right. You know, Mm -hmm. you have to figure that out. And many of our teams and many of our coaches don't. And it's hard to relate that. You know, I'm I'm in my end-of-the-road kind of coaching stuff. You know, I'm almost 60 years of age. I feel like I'm 30, but I'm almost 60. And you know, often I've thought I couldn't reach the young people, you know, because the livelihood that they have is not the same life we have, you know. And so I have to slow down sometimes, and, and you know, what do they like? What music do they listen to? Okay, well, there's certain music I have to get used to listening to because they listen to it. So I know what the heck they listen to, so I can talk to them. them you know, right. instead of saying you can't listen to that music, no, there's a reason. We have to. Find a way. Same way our parents did us. We can't just turn around and do to our kids. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's what I try to implement in, in in the style that I coach, is the way I was coached. I try to take all the good stuff with it and apply it, and all that crazy stuff that we've done. I try to leave that alone. Same way I deal with my dad. I love my dad. Mm-hmm. I have the utmost respect for my dad. He's a great man. But the things my dad did that was good, I use that. Mm-hmm. Mimic and I try to put it out there. Some of the things that my dad did to me that I don't like, I fight it every day not to put mm-hmm. that on the kids or my children. Mm-hmm. 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 And so those are the lessons that we try to learn that I try to learn and share with our young
2: our young guys. That's good stuff.
0: Can I, can I ask a, a, a piggyback question? Coach, you said in the beginning that when you were talking about the fact that you're a hard coach, but you don't break them down. And you mentioned that some of the kids can't handle that. How do you manage your athletes that are coming from volatile home environments where they feel as if the only outlet they have is their athletic ability? But we know that only 2% of our athletes are going to go pro. But so many of our children have this vision. They're they're going to the league. They're going to the league. How do how do you nurture them through those types of experiences as they're coming into your program?
3: Our best player that came through Plano East is Jimmy King. Mm-hmm. Okay. Jimmy was all, all Mr. Texas, all state, went to the University of Michigan, was a part of the Fab Five. We see the the history of the Fab Five and the, the things they accomplished as freshmen and sophomores. Mm-hmm. And then Jimmy left college and went and tried to go to the pro. And he was the best player we've had. Wow. We've had several other players that did not achieve the same recognition as Michigan playing for the national championship that have gone on to the pros or, or played semi-pro or played overseas. So let's put those, let's list them up and put those guys. Where are you in comparison to Jimmy King? Nowhere close. So the chances of you going to play pro ball is in that 2%. But you can get an education. You can travel the world. You can learn a trade. You can get a skill. You see, those are the things that we try to put up there. And, and, And here's the reality. You may make the pro league. All right, kudos. That's, we we would like for that. How many of us have been becoming doctors? I have a better chance of you becoming a doctor than I do you're making it, you know, to the to the league in basketball or football. There's a better chance of you becoming a lawyer, coming back and fighting for people that can't fight for themselves. Those are the things that we talked about. You know, how everyone is going to make the major
4: league,
3: and, and that's just a reality. Uh, and for those parents that are, that are in that world, okay, but you better make sure they can read and write and add and subtract and know right from wrong. Those, those are the things. We, we want you to be better young men than when when you, before you came. And, and as far as dealing with some of those homes, I am in one of the most affluent communities in the world. I don't know exactly what's going on in most of those homes. I deal with some of the craziest situations in this neighborhood that I work in. And I can promise you, most of the people don't know. Do we have homelessness in Plano? Yes. Yes. Way more than what people think. Do we have people who cannot read and write? Yes. They can't speak the language? Yes. That need uh section eight housing? Yes, but people don't believe that in Plano. They believe Plano, you know, average income is, what, 110000 And we don't have these things. Yes, we do have these things. And so trying to get to the players and the families is a must. Do we get along with all the parents all the time? No. But we're not supposed to. That's a fantasy. You know, everyone's son is going to be the next Michael Jordan, even though they're not. And they just want that opportunity. We understand that. And the opportunities is at practice every day. <laughs> and you come to practice. you do what you have to do at practice, you play. If you don't do what you have to do at practice, you don't play. If you don't play, you may not be on the team. That's the reality of it. Send them an email that don't matter. I'm worried about no email. Come watch practice. Come see if we're abusing your son or daughter. You know, we're not doing that. So the opportunities are there to be earned and, and, and made. And you try to share that with them. So don't complain to me. Do what Coach asked you to do. Do what I asked you to do. You know, be accountable. Be responsible. And those are the, the, the measures we try to teach the guys. And they bought in. I'm telling you, they bought in. And that's been the best thing ever, that they bought in. And they hold themselves accountable. And they, and I told them, this, y'all practice harder than most teams play. Y'all fight with each other harder at practice than the guys we playing against on Tuesdays and Friday, don't let them come in and disrupt. You no, know, our goal. This is our goal. You know, you said you want to be a part of this, Be a part of it. Do your part, and it it's, it resonates. Mm-hmm. They love each other. They 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 hang out together. They do stuff outside of basketball together, and if and when we play for this championship. And it come to fruition like we we're working. That's gonna be the that's gonna be the coolest thing ever to see it. But if it doesn't, they are some great young men, and they've earned the right to be where they are. I mean, it took some time. Now they believe, it. now when you believe in something and you working toward that belief and you can see it, that's a that's a crazy feeling because you don't always get this. Not everyone gets a chance to to be a part of what we're doing. There.
1: I think you made a great point about parents, you know, uh, making their kids believe they can be the next Michael Jordan, the next Tom Brady, whatever the case may be. And a lot of times, to your point, I think, you know, parents have a hard time being real with their kids. I think a lot of times parents think that if I uh, am real with my kids or tell them the truth, that I'm crushing their dreams. Um, Dreams are only dreams if you do not have realistic goals, realistic objectives, measures, the whole nine yards. And a lot of times we don't break that part down to kids. You know, when you have a goal like we talk about, I want to be the greatest Texas high school quarterback ever. Okay. What does that look like for you? Like we're just to be the greatest that's subjective. So what does that look like to you? Right? What are the actual numbers or actual things you are trying to achieve for you to even register that? You know what? I possibly am one of the greatest. A lot of times parents don't have that conversation with kids when they talk about goal setting. We just say, well, what do you want to do? I want to be a lawyer to your point. Okay, cool. You want to be a lawyer? What does that look like? Where you got to go to school? What do you got to learn? What do you got to study? For how long, right? We don't have those conversations. So the earlier we can have those conversations with kids, we can keep things in perspective for kids so they don't have this inflated sense of ego, this inflated sense of their abilities. And they can keep things in perspective because a lot of times your talent at 13 can be very talented, but it might not be maturated enough for you to really do the things you want to do. But that takes time. That takes consistently building day by day. You just can't expect a 13-year-old to perform at the level of a 16 or 17-year-old just because they have one good game or they have one really good practice. And you see that and it's like, oh, shit, my kid can be you know, the greatest. So we can't do that. Coach, I wanted to ask you, uh, we've kind of talked about you know, the team aspect and kind of just like the general players and stuff like that. Um, in relation to the the topic at hand of being, you know, the greatest and stuff like that, you being a, a stellar athlete yourself in high school and college and stuff like that, for you as a coach now, how do, and over the years as you've been a coach, how do you manage great players on your team?
3: Same way how do you manage play- the, the same way I manage the, the number 14 player on the team. If you're not doing your I, I you thing, well, know,
1: I know that's the, know that's the <laughs> coach's answer, but, no. but you know what I'm talking about. What I mean yes. by that is, like, when you know you see that kid that yeah. they got it, like, you can give it to them one time, they got it. You know they have all the tangibles to go to the next level. When the kid recognizes that they are the best on their team or they're one of the best players in the area, how do you help keep things in perspective for them? Because you've been able to manage being a student-athlete at a high level, play at a high level. You know the expectations that come. It's not just you at that point. It's okay. how you represent yourself, where you go to, whether it's the local McDonald's or when you go to science class, when you're out in the, out at, uh, talking to the pastor at church or whatever. How do you help the great players manage being great? Outside of just the team aspect, how do you help them individually prepare to assume that responsibility of, you know, See walking more. into that room? See more. Put an arm around and say, Man, let's sit down and talk to him. Okay.
3: You know what I'm saying? And, and all the players, we, we make it a point, and I definitely make it a point, to talk to the, all the guys. Hey, man, what are you going to do after basketball? Hey, man, I, I see you got a girlfriend over there. Mm-hmm. They dude, you know, there are things you should be doing, not doing. I want you doing what you're not supposed to be doing. You know what it is. Right. They have moms and dads. But I can't expect mom and dad to always talk to their kids. My dad didn't talk to me about having sex. Then I'm right. when I got two kids, when my dad didn't know it. You know what I'm saying? So you right, got to have some of those con- those conversations. Hey, man, you know, chill out. It ain't just about you. It's about the rest of it. Hey, man, you know, why are you out there yelling at that, that, that person? Quit, you know, what's wrong with you? You know, the teacher asked you something. I heard you say yell yeah to that teacher. Yeah, we don't speak like that. So just pull them up when they need to be pulled up, you know, and then let them know you just playing basketball, dude. <laughs> you no. Know, I have to share the story for myself. There is a Greg Thomas and there is a GT. The GT was the persona of playing ball. Mm-hmm. That's the person I went to. That was the egomaniac. That's the one that can run through the wall. That's the one that can throw the ball hundred yards. That's the one that's going to be the best on the field. But that don't always play in the in the real world, right? You know, and I had to try. I had to learn that, and I didn't mm-hmm. learn it very well. Younger, I didn't learn right. it well. Uh, my my wife, do, she does a lot of things to help me understand. When I go back to to Fayetteville, Arkansas, and I slip into that GT mode. She gets frustrated because she knows it's gonna take a while for me to get out of that persona. But that persona was a self-defense for me. It was my way of I can muster up and fight against anybody. I can lead an army against whomever or whatever. But I had to get myself into that kind of frame, you know, frame. There were times Greg would sit in his room and cry, oh, that crazy stuff I had to deal with. Right? that wasn't football-related. You know, those are the things I had to learn in Arkansas. I had to, I was, there were times I didn't leave my dorm room mm-hmm. because of craziness outside. That's great. But I can leave that room as as GT. I could leave that room as GT. And then whatever was out there, fight whatever it was. So trying to teach those guys, you know, there's an the on and off button. And to appreciate the on and off button. And the guy that's not playing, that's over there talking trash and he's jealous and he's angry or he, he got issues, you can't play into or feed into whatever they got going on. You know, cheating on his test, you know, passing notes to a girl, calling people names. Those are little games that people get caught up in because they still want to be a part of something. And right. just helping them to navigate some of those things. You know, not everyone's your friend. You know you right. try to teach them that now because everybody wants to be a friend, especially right now, mm-hmm. the, the success we have now, and all the TV crews coming to every other practice and games, and you know why is he getting to talk to Channel Five and I'm not getting to talk mm-hmm. to you know them little deals there, you know why is he getting to go do this or why did he get those are the things we have to help them navigate because right. not everyone is going to be that man. Now right. I was fortunate. And, and and a part of me being lucky enough to get that opportunity, I didn't navigate it well. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm being honest with you. I didn't, I didn't handle some of those things. I thought I did. Right. I was trying to say the right thing. I was trying you did to. Did the best you say, could. Oh, to to the experience that I had, I didn't know anybody. Right. But yeah. but you also have to understand, it kind of comes with the territory. And sometimes oh, yeah. you got to say the wrong thing to understand that with the wrong thing. Sometimes yeah. you got to be yeah. at the wrong place and, and, and experience the wrong place and say, hey, man, I don't want to be in that situation again. Sometimes you got to burn your again. finger
1: just to see if it's really hot. You just hope you yeah. don't burn your finger off.
3: Yeah, but, see, right? some, people <laughs> gotta, but some people ain't got to get shot to know that that bullet's going to burn. That, that, that's true, understand? too. Yeah. And, some that, of that us, would, yeah. and we put ourselves in those our situations. Yeah, we put ourselves in those our situations sometimes where mm-hmm. we want to be seen we want to be liked by everyone we want to be properly we want to be uh, respected whatever and then we put ourselves in a, an unfamiliar situation mm-hmm. and sometimes we don't get out of those unfamiliar we get caught up we lose our person. we lose our dignity we lose our opportunity and then we have to figure out how do we reinvent it how do i go somewhere else and learn who's going to give me another opportunity and for those of us that learn that, we're better off. But we have a whole mm-hmm. bunch of young people don't get there the second opportunity. And right. it could yeah. have been avoided, but we didn't tell them no. We didn't We didn't hold them accountable. We didn't make them go to class. We didn't pull them up when they were doing silly stuff. And then, boom, it, it's over. So it, it's, it's not difficult. I promise you it's not difficult. Uh, many of us coaches not me, because it's not me for sure, they don't want to take that chance because they're afraid of the fallout. Hmm. They're afraid of pushback. Mm-hmm. They're afraid of advocating for this kid and then that kid doesn't live up to that expectation and then they feel like they're going to be held accountable in response. No, that kid knew right from wrong.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: If the kid was good enough for you to come after him before that and he messed up, then you stand up for that kid now. We'll deal with the fallout. We'll deal with the consequences. Mm -hmm. But if you don't abandon that kid, well, most coaches can abandon the kid, and and they will to save their own face. Or they Mm -hmm. will to not have to hear from their administration or their or hear from their church or hear from their whomever. And Mm -hmm. I think that's the biggest disservice that there ever is because kids are kids, young people are young people. They're dispensable. Yeah, well, I don't want to use their dad, but, but the death for the grace of God, goes, I. Mm-hmm. And that was me. Mm-hmm. That was me. I wanted to be like. So I put myself in bad situations because I wanted to be like. I wanted mm-hmm. to be in the end people. Until you find mm-hmm. out that being in the end people ain't always what it's supposed it, it mm-hmm. to be. And then mm-hmm. you're in a situation that you can't get out of. And unfortunately like i said we lose a lot of young folks to that
2: yeah coach um i wanted to jump in here real quick um i've been listening um and it's not a question as much as a statement it appears that you're creating a culture um you know where you are you and your staff and it also seems that you know the first thing i heard you say was i'm hard to play for right and all the great coaches probably say the same thing. Um, you got your Jimmy Johnsons. You got—I um, don't have the coach's name in Florida State. Uh, I mean, um, Gators. Um, he had something on uh, Netflix about how hard of a coach yeah, he was. Yes, Swamp Kings, right? Mm-hmm. But Bobby Ballard at, at FSU—you mm-hmm. you saw that with the toughness and mm-hmm. with the rigorous training, they were great right? So, um, it's really about accountability, if I'm hearing you correctly. Um, You're holding these young men accountable, and not only are you holding them accountable, you're also like a father figure to them. You know, when you did did this, and you said, let me talk to you for a minute. A lot of these young men don't have anybody pouring into them and saying to them, hey, let me talk to you for a minute. And I like the fact that you're not, um, you know, no matter how great the player is, you're like, well, yeah, you might be good, but but I'm going to coach you up the same way I'm going to coach up this guy over here mm-hmm. um, which I think is extremely important so I uh, just want to give you your, your props as I was listening to you this morning mm-hmm. well thank you and,
3: and, and that's Coach West our head coach he set that example and, mm-hmm. and we've had some great coaches uh, that put in we, we talk about culture you develop a culture mm-hmm. you know you develop a culture by the way the young people respond or respect what you trying mm-hmm. to pull. I mean, we five years ago, man, we couldn't win a game. And we've been pulled four or five different directions. Parents were pulling this way, the players were pulling this way. We were dealing with administrative stuff going on around campus. And we couldn't find and we lost games. And we lost mm-hmm. games bad. I mean, we sit up there on Tuesdays and Fridays. Crying as coaches going like, dang hell, it can't get no worse than this. Mm-hmm, and then we mm-hmm. play the next game, and it it's worse, you know. And then those group of guys, like they always do, like everything, they moved out, and some other cats came in, mm-hmm. and this core of guys get it, man, and they get it, and they they've gotten it for a while, and their parents yeah. have also bought in, and and. The culture is is them. They hold themselves accountable. Mm-hmm. I mean, I tell you, they compete harder. They practice than what they get in game, and, and they would literally want to come to blows. They don't come to blows, but you know, it gets verbal sometimes. It gets aggressive, but that's through the competition, and the competition mm-hmm. through our first ten guys is that fierce, and they all believe they can play, and they all want to play, but they all let somebody mess with our inner circle. The doesn't team mm-hmm. take cheap shots like we had last night. And mm-hmm. you see how the guys, all right, we down one player right now. Hey, now we're gonna make them play. That's mm-hmm. that's that bond and and that that camaraderie mm-hmm. that they built. And you know, it's not always it doesn't always happen. You know what I'm saying? And we are just living that dream right now, but it's not a dream, it's a reality. And mm-hmm. you know, we're pushing this reality and, and every 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 day we let them know, hey man. We only had twelve more practices. Mm-hmm. How can we get better today? We had three more games in, in district. How can we make Tuesday the best game that you don't play? Because it's the only game you're playing on Tuesday. Let's refocus. They have a real unique way of doing those things, and, and, and it's they fun to be around, man. I'm telling. I'm inviting you on Tuesday to come. Mm-hmm. Drive on over here to Plano, man. And if we already play East, come see us play on Tuesday.
1: You, oh, are, I ain't gonna lie to you. If I drive the plane, though, it's gonna be about twenty-one hours. Um, you can fly. You <laughs> can you No,
3: know, you know, you can. We're on huddle. You can go. You can watch it from National High School. You, they stream oh. every one of our games.
2: Oh, Listen, okay. we do
3: it on, on Plano East Facebook. We do it on Facebook. That's great. I'm telling you, the world <laughs> this year has opened the way we would we would think it it could happen. It has happened, and it's amazing the following that we have now. And it's amazing. And you don't think about it until you're in that situation. Plano Senior High won it in, in 2012, but we were on the outside. There are our opponents. Plano West won it in, in, in 2018. It was the same thing. We were we were in the same city, but we didn't get to experience it. Now mm-hmm. we're experiencing it, and it, it's a beautiful thing. I see y'all
1: third, I see y'all third in the country. Yeah. Yeah, they're balling out. Right now, yeah. man. 28 and 0, which is absolutely phenomenal.
3: 30 and Co-
1: 0. Coach, I had, one more, 0. I had one more question for you because I know Dr. Piss probably has one more question Oh, 30 and 0. So Max oh, Max hasn't uh, updated it Okay, word. All right. Um so coach, I had one last question for you. Um, you kind of talked about it earlier in the show. Uh, well, kind of pre-show um your thoughts and stuff about you know, NIL and, and things of that nature. Um, I was looking it up to my knowledge. I don't believe NIL has reached the high school level for Texas just yet. I think Texas is one of the holdout states uh, to this point. Um, but as a high school coach, um, what are your thoughts on, you know, NIL and, and things like that? Do you think it's a good thing, bad thing? Um, do you think it, you know, needs, you know, overregulation, underregulation? What are some of your thoughts on NIL um, and how do you help kids, you know, kind of, you um, prepare for the ones who go to college to kind of, you know, uh, incorporate that now into their, uh, into their thought process.
3: Okay. First of all, I don't believe NIL will make it in Texas high school because it's not been successful in college. So if if you want to hold out Texas high school culture, they have to figure out a way not to allow that in. Okay. Um, I, as a former college athlete, like yourself and I want to put it in, keep it in perspective. As an athlete that tried to transfer in the mid-80s and was told I could not transfer. (coughs) Excuse me, but my coach can leave if he wanted to leave. Mm -hmm. Because I'm settled. All right, he can leave, but I can't leave. So now we're part of a system, a system that they're making millions of dollars on and then they're going to turn around and tell me that I'm an amateur athlete. Biggest crock there ever has been. Okay? You are, I mean, NIL needs, and it has its place, but it has, we have to do a better job than what's being done now. I don't, I I agree. you can't, I talked to some of my older brothers that that were Razorback greats, uh, Jimmy Walker and you know, and some of those cats. And Jimmy flat out said, Greg, if you're making 200000 and I'm making 10000 I can bet you I'm busting your ass every day. You're not going to make 200000 and I'm making ten. That was a low number. Yeah. That's a low number. But I'm saying he, that's what he was saying. There's no way possible that we're going to be on the same team and I'm an All-American and you just playing and you're going to make 200000 because of your position. Mm. And I'm going to make 10000
1: Or Or just because you're a people person. Because I think a lot of that, too, for the athletes is, are not you not. a people person? Oh, uh-uh. It ain't people person.
3: It ain't people person. It's what can With I say? yeah the
4: what face two sell? Yeah.
3: What can I say? What can I say? And so we've only been in the last 30 years of where we're allowing black images to be sold on television. All right, So before that, they weren't going to put you in a commercial. Mm-hmm. You weren't sellable. But Michael Jordan changed that. So you can't tell me that that's always been an equal playing field. It hasn't been. Oh, yeah. So, you know, we can sell Tom Brady a lot more than we can sell Michael Jordan. And 30 years ago, that's that was the case. Or Terry mm-hmm. Bradshaw versus, you know, Steve Young or Warren Moon. Rodney Pete. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Hey, hey, Rodney Pete and I was in college at the same time. I know my team was better than this team in California. Mm. Were they going to give me $200,000 worth of money in
1: Arkansas? You probably – I ain't never been to Arkansas, but I'd be pressed to find 200000 just lying around and just random parts of Arkansas like that.
3: Oh, no, it's It's there. We got Sears, we got Walmart, we got all of the money's
1: there. Oh yeah, they do got, they do got oh, Walmart. Yes. Yeah, they do got the Walmart. Loans yeah.
3: trucking, Oh, we got all the money.
1: We got. got yeah, they got Walmart.
3: Yeah, we got that stuff. But where are they going to put that face?
1: Mm-mm, and, not and at all.
3: That face to the to the general public. It's only been mm-hmm. in the last thirty years that we could do that. So, I don't know how they're going to correct this. I mean, they they went from one extreme to the other extreme, mm-hmm. and you know. And, and I've heard, like, the manning kid at Texas at the backup that played in two games, got like $5 million. Mm-hmm. But your quarterback and your backup quarterback that were winning ball game didn't get $5 million. Now, mm-hmm. how do you discuss that in a locker room with three quarterbacks? And then have any kind of real conversation. This cat getting paid $5 million, he ain't even taking a snap.
1: I know you saw that I mean, that, that was the, kind of the whole argument with uh, players getting drafted to the NFL, like you think well, before, no, uh, like they, late they 2000s. They made,
3: yeah, but they, they revamped made, that. You can't yeah, come because they the were like, "Yeah, we Sam it.
1: Bradford coming in from Oklahoma. Yeah. He getting $54 million, ain't played one NFL snap, and then he don't live up to being a $54 million quarterback, but he got $54 million. Yeah.
3: You see, that was the backlash to that that trickled down to the – The NIO college league. rate, yeah.
1: yeah. I, I do so, – and I think yeah. even a, a, to your point, you know, depending on the school – I think one of the biggest reasons why Nick Saban left, and he ain't going to talk about it, but yeah, like one is just it's craziness having to keep up with it, but two, if your school just don't have the funds, Alabama got money, but Alabama ain't got Texas ain't m money. They ain't got Texas money. They ain't got um uh, uh, what you call it, USC money. So it's like at that level as great as the coach as Nick Saban is and and was at that time, You just don't have the, you don't have the revenue from your school or hell, even the state to compete with a Texas, a Georgia, Florida, where they had like, they, the quarterback from Florida this past year, where they got the lawsuit, where uh, the boosters promised him $14 million over four years. And the moment he signed the national letter of intent, they pulled it, but now he there.
3: It's like, what are we doing?
1: Roger,
3: Roger, yeah But let me say this. But, see, Coach Saban is so old school that he couldn't put together the people to handle that. And he doesn't doesn't have to. But if that's the game I got to play, I play that game. Then Then I give me a a group of guys that are accountable, that are counters, and then we can work that out. Mm -hmm. But they don't want to do that kind of stuff. You see what I'm Mm -hmm. saying? SMU didn't do that. What did did SMU do? They just paid them all. Okay? Whatever it was, they paid them all. This is SMU again.
1: I know SMU probably kicking themselves. <laughs> oh,
3: they! Um, but see, it wasn't just SMU; it was TCU. It was SMU, it was I, It's I every
1: major. It's it's every major yeah. Division one school. Like I know, kid, I wasn't fortunate enough because I was short for a for a lineman to be recruited by D one schools like that or be given all the elaborate gifts. But I was around a lot of people who recruited by D one schools. They would come home with closets full of gear, clothes, money, stuff, shoes. And I'm just like, bro, you just went on a weekend visit. Like, they got it. They do it to everybody. Rudy Johnson, you know who Rudy Johnson is, played for uh, running back for the Bengals. His house is three minutes from my house. The Lincoln Navigator that Auburn gave his family to go there is still in the driveway to this day. The same rims he had in undergrad are still on the same Navigator to this day. They've been doing it.
3: Yep. It cost a whole conference. The <laughs> whole Southwest conference is gone behind it. Yeah. Okay. And now it's legal. And so they have to figure out a way to navigate it and, and to work it out. And, and, and it's, it's difficult because the NCA really don't want to deal with it. But you I think, it that, I it think the awesome.
1: NCAA just needs to be disbanded at this point and let the conferences figure it out. It's if you ask worse. me, it's going to be worse.
3: <laughs> Here's an example. Here's an example. So, in 1985, I know I'm giving some years. I didn't mean to do that, but I'm going to some. 1985, we were 10-2, have a chance to play for the whole national championship, but we lose the game late, okay? Mm-hmm. At, at the last game, we had like nine bowls wanting to give an invitation. Nine bowls. So, you walk in there as a coach with your players, and you look at those nine bowls. And then you have to decide which one do I want to go to. That's what it's going to go back to again. Mm-hmm. And you let conferences decide that. Now you got mm-hmm. nine different representatives at three different schools. The three different stadiums for the possibility of this team losing. We're going to offer this team this one. It's going to be the same kind of, I don't want to call it corruption, but corruption. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's going to be yeah. the same, same kind of. You know, different horse, but that gun is still a freaking horse. So they got a better job. They got to come together and figure it out. And, and you know, the transfer portal, I'm all for kids having an opportunity to leave, but I can't tell you what that right opportunity is. But you can't leave three times. You see what right. I'm saying? Maybe once, maybe twice. You can't you can't be twenty seven years of age playing against eighteen year olds. That's bogus. Okay, yeah. that's a grown man playing against a kid, and we, yeah. we had a lot of that happen in the last couple of years. Um, yeah, and I can't be transferring because coach don't like. Him. Why does coach not like? Him?
4: <clears throat>
3: you know what I'm saying? What did you do to make the coach not like? Him? But also, I'm not gonna let him be because I don't like it. We had that sometime. Uh, I'm not going to let him leave. So we got to figure it out because, you know, in certain situations, we've had young men at at Plano East the last couple of years that could have played big-time college basketball or football, and they didn't get that recruited because the transfer Mm report. So they end up going to an NAIA school or a junior college or (laughs) an HBCU. Which I'm not disagreeing with, but I'm just saying as an example, because we don't want to spend that money grooming people. We don't. We don't want to, you know, allow them to mature and grow. We want ready-made players. So I'll take a ready-made player over someone that's young and, and has potential. Right. But it's a free agency, and that's that's what life has showed us, and this is what we're dealing with now in our college athletics. Mm-hmm. Gentlemen, it's that time
0: already. Um, we are out of time, but what I would like to do, uh, coach, is I want to, I want to ask you for a final thought on, on something. Um, I think that the parent piece is, is something that needs to be emphasized more as mm-hmm. a final thought, if you would, when it comes to helping our athletes navigate greatness, When it comes to helping our athletes as ronnie said earlier in the show um ensuring that their goals for their athletic career are realistic and attainable again not raining on anybody's parade or anything like that um but also keeping sort of as a sidebar the fact that there are a lot of parents that are living vicariously through their children It's not even so much about the child's greatness and excellence. It's that the parents has these insecurities and feelings of inadequacy and all of these personal deficiencies and they're living through their children. What are uh, uh, two or three or so recommendations that you would give to our parents that are listening that could be instrumental in helping them to do a better job of supporting their child's athletic career,
3: <clears throat> we, we need to let them know that only one percent get a chance to go play at the next level. Like mm-hmm. I said earlier, you have a better chance of becoming a doctor, a lawyer, a teacher than you do becoming a, a college athlete. But mm-hmm. with that being said, if you there there will be five hundred thousand young people graduate this year that play college basketball. Mm-hmm. But you only have 7,000 scholarships. Mm-hmm. So the numbers are so small. And yeah. so we understand putting in the time and all that, but they're outside of sport. That's a dream. That's a goal. Mm-hmm. My grandmother used to say it's a means to an end.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: It's going mm-hmm. to end one day. Mm-hmm. And so what do you do after that? Yeah. We have to share that with them and, and, and be clear. Um, for our parents, I was that parent as a coach, mm-hmm. but I was also realistic with my kids. Hey, man, mm-hmm. if you get a chance to go play college sport, I just want you to go experience it, mm-hmm. no matter what the level is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if, if you got to work hard and, and have to get loans, and I was fortunate, all my kids were scholar—I mean, uh, scholarship athletes. But they have to understand, man. That there's a different part of dedication that comes with this, yeah. and you have to be dedicated, or you're you wasting your time, and you're wasting that coach's time. And, yeah. and and our parents think everything. You know, you can't just turn around and just give them a, a participation trophy. Right. Laws are at stake, jobs are lost, yeah. and revenue is spent. Yeah, and we have to understand that the entire. If your son doesn't want to go to practice today, then he's not a scholarship type of athlete. Thanks. That, you know, they, they have to want to be there and you know, participate in those things. I mean, mm-hmm. if you want to become a musician, you spend all your time being a musician. They're not out there taking breaks. Mm-hmm. And they're way mm-hmm. more musicians than we do college athletes. Mm-hmm. And they have to find that niche to do whatever they have to to get with the symphony, to get mm-hmm. with that individual. And so why do we give them a different path? It's the same mm-hmm. path. Mm-hmm. It's the same path, but you have to find your kids and your students' strengths. And if this within those those reachable goals, boom, then we we'll go for it. Because if they can't swim, you can't. They're not going to be a swimmer. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? If they don't know how to swim, That's they're right. not going to be going to right, right. be swimming. You know, right. I, I want my to be the next, you know, well. If he can't swim, he's not going to do it. Yeah. You got to learn how to swim first. Then you have to be able to swim fast. Right. And so right. We, we have to understand the steps in the process. I mean, if your son can't shoot, don't believe he's going to be Larry Bird. Say <laughs> 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 You know, and we have a whole bunch of people that do a lot of shooting. Mm-hmm. And they don't do a lot of making. And it's hard convincing mm-hmm. them, cats. man. You can make more of a contribution to another thing, defense, rebounding, setting screen. No, my, I'm gonna be a score. I'm gonna shoot. Okay, mm-hmm. man. We practice every day. You one out of seven. I <laughs> I'm <It's laughs> you working for you. <laughs> yeah. So how do you get on the court? How can okay. coach put you on the court and will be and will trust you are gonna do what you need to do there? And mm-hmm. that's the hardest thing to do is to is to teach young people. Some of those. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't win a spelling bee if you can't spell.
0: Facts. Yeah. It, it That reminds me, Coach. This is you were speaking and watching a football life with Micah Parsons in high school. He was a running back, <laughs> right? It's like you want me to play linebacker. It's like, yeah, man, we do. <laughs> and and look at the difference that it made, right? So, right. thank you, thank you, thank you so much for those tips. um It's a pleasure. It's always a pleasure. It's an thank honor you. and a privilege. I will tell you up front, I'm, my clinical schedule is bananas, so I'm not going to be able to be there in person on Tuesday, but thank you for letting me know that I can stream it live because I do have a TV in my office. So I, yes, ma'am. I can be looking at it at my peripheral. <laughs> <room, my laughs> I will definitely check you guys out. Good luck. Good luck. Good luck. Not luck. Blessings, because what thank God you. has for you and the team is for you and the team. And we're just going to be like, you know what, Lord, let them shine. Let let th- this this statement that you all are trying to make this, this goal that you all are trying to accomplish to be the first to do it is it speaks volumes. It's so much bigger than basketball. It's so much bigger than basketball. Um, Mm -hmm. so we are rooting for you. We will definitely be tuning in. Ronnie apologizes that he had to step away, but definitely applauds and, and is so thankful for being able to share this time with you. Um, wow man we love Thank you, you. coach it is Thank such an you. honor Thank privilege, you. Thank you and, and he's supposed to be at practice y'all yeah, he yeah. told the players he wasn't going to be at practice today so that he can hang out with us so that in and of itself is such a tremendous blessing my mother texted oh. me and said that you by far in her opinion are one of the best guests that we have ever had and that she oh. loves everything that you're saying so I wanted to make yeah. sure I slid that in because she she texts me all types of stuff during shows um, but she she tunes in and just what a tremendous blessing you are to to these athletes, to the mm-hmm. sports um, and just, you know, to the, the Metroplex and, and just to the world. And just thank you so much for this work that you're doing. It, you you and, and I say this humbly and respectfully that as I listen to the emphasis that you put on teaching these boys how to be men, um, mm-hmm. You and Coach Prime, man You and Coach yeah. Prime, and we gotta get you Prime's money We gotta get you Prime's money <laughs>
3: <laughs> God works In mysterious ways Let's get you some yeah. of Prime's
0: money So that you can continue to do what you're doing yes. On such a beautiful, beautiful scale Thank you so much Folks, that's all we have for today Thank you for tuning in again to House Talk Pre-Game, we'll see you back here In a couple of weeks um, Go Chiefs <laughs> <laughs> east,
3: east, east side pride. <laughs> Thank y'all. Appreciate it.
0: Have a right. week. Be blessed. Thank, Thank you so much. Bye, everybody. Yeah. Bye bye.